Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, welcome to a bit of a different Rahalastapa. This is a new era. It'll all be like this for the short term and maybe the long term, who knows. But this is a remote Rahalastapa. Rahalastapa, stop saying that, you people over there, with the wonderful Adam Buxton. We recorded it about seven weeks ago, I think, and near the beginning of lockdown or nearer the beginning of lockdown. Uh, We are now near the end of lockdown, but who knows when that will be. Uh, we're going to carry on uh, doing these. We've done five or six already, and um, there will be more. We record them, and you can watch them live on Wednesday nights at 8pm on twitch.tv slash rkherring. Um, there might be a couple of weeks I take off just because I'm writing a book at the moment, but um, tune in then. There's lots of other stuff on twitch.tv slash rkherring, including morning stone clearing, evening snooker playing, Sunday nights, I'm watching films and doing director's commentaries, and you can watch along with the film at home. Uh, And we're playing a few video games and planning what other stuff we can get up to with uh, a live broadcast on Twitch. Um, 
you can subscribe to that. And if you're with Amazon Prime, you can give me £5 a month with no extra cost to yourself. You just have to link your accounts and then subscribe. Remember to come back each month and subscribe again. If you don't do it for me, please do it for someone on Twitch because there's free money sitting in your account that uh, you can give. Take it from me and Amazon and give it to someone who deserves it. I will use any money I get to churn back into making more podcast content for you. Um, So, yeah, it's sad that we lost lots of potentially fantastic live guests. Um, But hopefully they will all return and we'll be doing stuff in the theatre again in the autumn. That's when some stuff's pegged to go back in, but we'll see. Uh, if not, we will keep providing content online and uh, wait until we have the all clear to come out of our bunkers and be humans once again, whether that's in five months or 500 years. I, we will return. And it was it, last week wasn't a bad way to end. And certainly the week before with Michael Palin, at least we got that one in the bag. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, com slash badges if you want to just give us some money uh, and get lots of stuff in return, lots of nice extras. Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy this slightly weird but rather charming and lovely... Look at all these people clapping. Rahalastapa with Sir Adam Buxton. Thank you very much. Hello! How are you doing? Welcome, welcome to the first ever live-streamed Rahalastapa, which... uh, it's answer Richard Herring's live streaming on Twitch podcast. You can't do that. But I was hanging around with myself in self-isolation. And I had a stopper, so I don't know if that's going to catch on. Um, welcome to the show. Uh, I don't have to do the thing about please welcome a man. It's it's very strange doing it without an audience, though there's lots of people saying Rahalastapa zooming by in the chat room. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast in a couple of months' time, hello. Hope the world is still here. Uh, you may be one of the ragbag of survivors. Um, so because of the current situation in the world, we are starting to do... Uh, we had loads of Rahalastapas stored up in a big podcast silo and foolishly started giving them out two a week because we thought we'll never get through all these. Oh, how we regret that now. So we'll be doing one of these every Wednesday night on Twitch. It will then be released. Um, you'll be able to watch it on Twitch for about a month and then it'll be released in its turn as a genuine, regular... Rahalastapa podcast, if this works, which it seems to be doing so far. That's very good news. 889 viewers in already. That's fantastic. We've already surpassed the, well, we're nearly at the highest ever Rahalastapa live audience ever. Maybe that will happen as we go through. Uh, we surpassed the uh, total. Very sad that we should have been doing Adam and Joe and Lolly Adafopi just two days ago. Uh, it's very sad to have missed those podcasts. They should hopefully all be rescheduled. Um, we'll do our best and also the Birmingham Podcast Festival and the Edinburgh Festival probably won't be rescheduled though I might try and do something from home if you enjoy this hey uh, you can become a badger as you know you can uh, subscribe on Twitch if you're an Amazon Prime member you can subscribe without any cost to yourself and give us five dollars every month if you want to uh, by linking your accounts there's a video on my youtube one nine herring one nine six seven that will explain all that if you would prefer to not give any money you have no money that is fine too if you prefer to give some money to charity could you google just giving heckle the virus and you can donate some money to help all the club comedians who are currently uh unable to work and have suddenly lost all their work and uh we've got up to about eighty five thousand pounds with that fund but that is enough to last eight weeks so we do need some more 
Um, well, it's all very exciting. Uh, we're self-isolating. It's been nice to spend time with the kids and also a living hell to spend time with the kids. It's the worst thing ever. Uh, this morning, although uh, it was, it's, I'm in the countryside. It feels a bit like a sort of rural idyll and, some, and it's nice to be with the family all the time. And we've been playing Annie in the bre- at breakfast. My daughter loves the soundtrack to Annie. Uh, and this, the sun will come out tomorrow. Tomorrow is a very inspirational song that's been helping us through, especially this morning when they sang Bet Your Bottom Dollar and my daughter went bottom and laughed and my son laughed. And I thought, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> if they're laughing, if we're still laughing at that, we'll be fine. Uh, the news today is that men in their 50s and 60s are the most susceptible new uh, demographic to get the virus and die. So uh, I'm delighted about that. And I also sort of think this is really bad news for us because I was getting quite fit till we were all locked down and now I'm just drinking beer and not exercising. And so we're gonna have, we'll have about two months of this and just as the virus is, is most virulent, it will hit us and we'll all be killed. It'll wipe out. It'll be like the Pied Piper of Hamlin, but of middle-aged men. And maybe it's good. Maybe we should all die. Um, I've been married for eight years uh, yesterday. Sorry, I didn't any snook yesterday. Uh, I was disappointed in the whole of that seventh year of marriage. I didn't get a seven-year itch at all. Just gone to the eight-year weeping sores straight away. Uh, but I guess that's a, a, a sign that I'm in love or something. I don't know. That's good, isn't it? What else was I going to talk about? I was worried about money. I've had to cancel so many gigs uh, and sort of ostentatiously gave away loads of money because I thought I've got that uh, O2 gig coming up, which hopefully will be rescheduled, but I haven't heard anything from them. Uh, and uh, I was getting paid well for that gig, so I thought I'll give that money to the heck or the virus thing. Then that got cancelled like the day before. I mean, on the day, I think it was. But luckily on Friday the 20th of March, I got an email uh, that says, this is official notice of unclaimed fund of 10.5 million left by Mr. Herring, who died in a car crash. Upon your positive response, I will make all the information known to you once I confirm your willingness Regards, Mark. So that was good news. I've got 10.5 million coming in from a guy. It's a formal letter, but he's very informal, Mark, isn't he? Just signing Mark. I think he's trying to get in with me so that when I get the money, he, I'll give some of it. But I'm not going to fall for that, mate. It's my money and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not gullible, mate. I'm not going to give you the money just because you're trying to be my mate. Uh, I'm a bit concerned. It just says 10.5 million. That doesn't say 10.5 million of what? I think it might be 10.5 million trim phones. We will see. Uh, anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed Off Menu. You can still catch that on the Off Menu uh, feed and also the uh, Cosmic Shambles video feed on YouTube. Uh, Bella's pudding caused a lot of consternation. It's a real thing. I didn't make it up. It was April the 1st. I've been playing Football Manager on here, Snooker on here. Uh, Kevin Toms, who created Football Manager, has been watching me play Football Manager, which is one of the most surreal things I've ever experienced. Uh, you know, imagine the 14-year-old me knowing that one day the man who created the game I was playing would be watching me playing it. What would be the worst thing that you could have the person you were thinking of watching you do? No, let's move on. Uh, we'll think of some more emergency questions uh, as we go. Subscribe if you want to. Follow me. We've got currently, as we speak, um, 4,882 followers. We might get up to 5,000. And we've got 1,522 viewers. It's the highest ever viewership for an episode of Rahalastabha. So thank you very much for that. Hopefully more will come in. Uh, do subscribe. Do follow me at least. Uh, and uh, if you can afford to pay money, you can pay money. If you want to do it via Amazon Prime, it's free money. Um, tell your friends. We'll be here every Wednesday evening. Uh, but my guest tonight, uh, he's probably best known as the ghost of Prince Quintus in Stardust, which I don't think I've ever talked to him about before, which I can't believe. Uh, will you please welcome... A man I was meant to be talking to with another man on Monday. It's Adam Buxton. Here he is. There he is. Hey. Can you hear me, Adam? Hello. 
How are you doing, man? I'm very good. How are you? This is exciting, isn't it? It is exciting. Yes. Modern technology. We thought it was a bunch of shit. We thought all it did was enable disgruntled, disaffected, angry losers on the internet. Wrong! It enables middle-aged, soon-to-die geniuses like ourselves to produce important broadcasts like this one to keep the nation's hackers up. I think so. Well, I I wanted you to do the first one because I thought who better to to cheer everyone up than Adam Buxton. So hopefully, hopefully you will. We won't just, are you worried about the, you know, I wasn't that worried about it. And then when Boris Johnson got seriously ill, I thought, oh, fuck, this could actually get me. Are you worried now? You're you're 50 now, aren't you, Adam? I am 50. Uh, I'm in the zone. I'm in the danger zone. I don't know. I feel I've had, I've been through the, 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 thinking that you've got the symptoms phase of course and uh have you had the thing of kind of breathing and thinking (laughs) oh that's a little painful that's painful no i haven't had that yet i've been i was a bit ill when it all started up i had a bit of a i had some kind of bug off the kid so i was like oh god that's the thing Um, is that there's there's loads of bugs around anyway so it's so hard to tell like which one is which everyone is desperate to reach the point where you can take the test and find out if you had it or not. You know, the dream yeah. scenario is, oh, actually, you did have it, and you you just toughed it out. It didn't even affect you. Yeah. Fuck you, yeah. coronavirus. But yeah. um, but you should should we say at the top here that yeah, uh, like should we say a serious thing about how seriously we take it and how grateful we are to the frontline workers and all that kind of thing, and then. Hope that that will get us off the hook if we are then from then on flippant and inappropriate about the entire situation. Well, I would, th- I yeah, but I also I'm disappointed there hasn't been an eight o'clock clap for the podcasters of the world like on out on the. Doorsteps. We're not doing the clap. That, we should be doing the clap. Everyone else has finished doing the clap. Oh, it's too late. Was that for John? Was that for Boris? You made me clap for Boris Johnson. Or was that for the? the, the, the haven't you NHS? been? I'm happy. To- haven't you been praying for him all day? I have, well, I have. I feel, you know, I want to get to the point where we're able to go make the joke of I wish he had died when he had the coronavirus. That is what I'm sort of hoping for. But um, it's still, still, I mean, you know, I'm very upset. I, I'm hoping he'll have a, he'll go through it, all survive and then go, oh, the NHS is really good. We should be much nicer to them than we were planning to be. They're, they're pretending they're going to be nice to them anyway. So I confidently uh, predict that he yeah. is going to be absolutely fine. I confidently okay. predict, boy, maybe this is a stupid confident prediction. <laughs> yeah, but I, well, it's coming out. <laughs> I confidently predict that he is, as we speak, uh, watching a box set, uh, propped up on pillows, um, checking his Twitter feed, catching up on some reading and having a nice little break. Uh, yeah. And, you know, because they haven't intub- intubated him or anything like that, have they? I think he's well, in. Well, they're intub- saying yeah. that, but I think they're like that. I mean, you know, this is going to come out on the podcast stream in a couple of months, so they will know at home. My fear is that he'll die on Good Friday and then come back alive on Easter Sunday. <laughs> and he is the new Jesus. That is my worry. That's my main worry. Yeah. So out of all the out of all the scenarios, that is the worst thing that can happen. Uh, but if he is Jesus, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. But yeah. I, are you what? I'm more. I don't. I don't. You know, fair. I don't want him to die. I hope he survives. But I'm more scared for myself as a middle aged man. I kind of thought I was. I was thinking, ah, oh, quite good to get it. Just get it, like you say, get it over with. But now, uh, you know, I'm sort of 
thinking I, I, I probably don't want that to happen. No, the random factor, the not knowing how you will respond to it is is a frightening aspect. Yeah. Um, but it's quite... Well, if good. you die, well, if you die, Adam will still put this out as a tribute to you. And I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'll do an intro at the front where I kind of hold a picture of you and go, it's very sad to say Adam Buxton. And if you would do the same for me. Yeah, I could do that. For, we'll have an amazing yeah, okay. charity show. <laughs> all the comedians of the UK and all the finest comedians all across the world will yeah. come together and sing your praises and say lines that you did and we'll play back times when you offended people and <laughs> said the wrong thing. Stephen Merchant will give a very tearful speech. Uh, yeah. about how you were uh, an edgy <laughs> genius. <laughs> hey, look. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to check. This is a radical change of subject. Yeah, go for it. Let's, let's talk. Yorkshire, what? Yorkshire tea made me some customized tea, like bespoke. Hold it a bit further over because you're not in the quite in the middle of the camera. Put it in front of your face. Dr. Buckles tea? No way. Yeah. And I think they sent it to me. Though. Back in the day when I think they, I don't know, maybe they hoped I would tweet it or something like that. But yeah. I always feel a bit queasy when people do things like that, when they send you stuff and the, and they're obviously hoping that you will tweet it. And yeah. um, so I didn't, but I do love it. And I do love Yorkshire tea. And I thought this might, and now I'm not on Twitter. So I thought, well, this will, this yeah. will be a good opportunity to just tick all those well, boxes, show off that yeah. they made me some personalized tea. You haven't opened it yet. Are you going to you're going to drink the tea? Uh, well, we'll see how things go. I mean, each each tea bag might be made from your flaked skin or something like that. It might be, <laughs> or at least have your face. It'd be great if it was just the tea, just face made a sort of Adam Buxton face with a beard on it. As every time you dunked it, oh no, that's you're got right. to be possible. You're right. It it does say it's made from <laughs> my, my flaked skin. Fuck. No, I don't want That'd it that nice. much. <laughs> anyway that's quite good isn't it personalized that is tea. pretty that is pretty good they haven't uh, sold out of tea uh, i mean tea tea there's been like tea supplies are okay at the shops yes yeah well i mean nearly everything's back to normal i went before and obviously toilet roll inexplicably disappeared and flour but flour has not come back has that's the one thing flour and um Fish fingers, which I can understand. Everyone's just buying fish fingers for their kids. All that sort of bits are empty. But flour, there was... When I went to get eggs before it all happened, I was in Waitrose in Hitchin, uh, and the only pack of eggs there were was one pack of quail's eggs, uh. which is the most hit. It's the most Hitchin thing I've ever seen. But that still meant that all the other quail's eggs had gone. Uh, there are now eggs there, but no flour. Everyone's turned into a, a baking... British Bake Off champion. I don't know who, if everyone's thought we'll make our own food on from scratch. What about the chocolate situation? Chocolate's fine, but I don't eat chocolate. I've stopped eating chocolate. And I don't eat chocolate anymore. So that, but it's that's the supplies for that are low because I buy it for the kids. Um, everything was fine. I tried to buy five. I tried to buy four bottles of uh, five hundred milliliter Diet Coke, and I had to put one back because they were limited to three. That's yes. the only. That was the only thing I got caught out on. How does it work then with? Do they do they define what essential items are? I haven't actually been to the supermarket since the lockdown began. Uh, How are you living? Well, how are you eating? The thing, uh, my my wife, uh, she goes, so she does it. I think she likes doing it because she gets to go out of the compound and you know queue up well, and see that. other human beings. 
And you're sort of a hero for risking your life going out there, but you are then risking everyone else's life by returning home. You yeah. should be the person who goes to the supermarket is locked down for 14 days. Mate, she goes that's through that's quite a lengthy uh, <laughs> detox procedure when she gets back. I swear, I shouldn't be saying this probably, but she doesn't bring the bags into the house. She leaves yeah. them outside the house and then she transfers each item into uh, into like a bin and then she hoses down the bin and then she wipes yeah. everything with sanitary wipes and stuff and yeah. then it, i mean it's like she thinks that chernobyl's happened or something but maybe <laughs> it's sensible though it is that's sensible. how it's going to get in it's that's sensible. the only way it's going to get in post the post deliveries or so but you know it's so Are they not hard, taking any precautions at the supermarket at all or is i mean but then people come and t I went, you know, I go in and you touch something and they go, oh, no, I'll have that one. You know, you pick something up and then you put it down. Everyone yeah, does that. Everyone does that. It's like I totally touch my face all the time. I can't stop doing that. I was doing the keypad and I was like, I just thought, this minute, uh, uh, the minute I touched the keypad to pay for my food. So, you know, it's just I, I, last time I took a big bottle of hand sanitizer in my pocket. That was what I decided to do to, yeah. to kind of. No, you're that, right. You're right. Now I think but that's where you're going to get caught out. We can't get caught in. They can't get into the house without someone bringing it in on a package or from outside from the outside world. So you know we're safe as long as we stay inside. Yes. No, you're right. You're right. Now that I think of it, when I go to the supermarket, I sneeze, I drool, I lick all the <laughs> cereal, I kiss the woman at the checkout or the guy. I'll just kiss the checkout yeah. person. And it's very, it's, there's a lot of saliva. So it's just as well that I'm not be careful. doing the shop. Uh, we yeah. ran out of toilet paper ages ago, though. So, did you? Yeah. I've been just every morning, one of the routines now is I use the uh, jet washer. Everyone lines up, bends over, and jet wash low, you know, on a low yeah. setting. Otherwise, it's just mayhem. But um, that's a good routine. What about, have you got any good new routines, lockdown routines? Oh, man, I'm just finding it so... We're trying to work in ways that we can work and do some writing and look after the kids. It's just awful having to look after your kids all the time. Yeah, because you're... You don't, how, you don't, how old are yours? Five and two. So the five-year-old was at school, which was helpful, and the two-year-old, we had help, and my mother-in-law would come over. And, yeah. you know, you realise how much help you had, and so to not have any of that at all, and you're still trying to work. I'm just so tired and drinking uh, to excess to get drinking over it. It's really... It's a beautiful thing. It's lovely. And I think you'll, I was thinking this morning, you sort of start feeling, I understand the spirit of the Blitz and I'm not comparing it to the Blitz in any other way, but you understand how people look back at the Blitz and thought, oh, but it was a happy time because we did this and this because you're closer. And even as things are happening, you're thinking, once this is over, I'm going to look back at my daughter laughing at, at Bet Your Bottom Dollar and I'm going to really love that memory if I'm still alive. If not, I'll leave a little video for her saying, remember that and she can enjoy it. Um, so, you know, I think you understand that you're almost in the moment feeling the nostalgia for what you're doing. So loads of it is we're living in the country as you are, and it's a kind of idyllic and it's fine. It's not that different than my real normal life, to be honest. Yeah, that's the thing. It's only uh, when you, it's only when you look at the news that everything, uh, suddenly slides into perspective and, yeah. and, the, and you can't, I mean, it's hard not to, well, you're always reminded of how lucky you are and how grim it would be if your situation was different if you 
didn't like where you were living, if you were living with people you didn't want to be with, if you were living with no, someone absolutely. scary. I mean, God, there's so many ways it could just be unbearable. And um, well, I, I just think of all you know. Even like when we moved to this house, we just had a son, a son, a baby. Everything was half built, and you know, it was. I just think if it had happened then, it would have been. And we had a terrible four or five months where things went wrong and if it had happened then it would have just been the end of us i think like literally yeah uh and i was thinking if it happened in the 90s when i lived on my own and you know and there wasn't even a proper internet <laughs> to help you out really um it would have been just so so for the people like that so the nice thing i think is there is the internet there is stuff to do uh there are you can talk to people and interact with people but yeah i mean if you were dating if you were you know if you were not in a relationship but you you know, if you want to have sex in the next three months, what are you going to do? You can't just wank all the time. I mean, that's what you'd have to do, Adam. It's like be, be, it'd be like being married. You'd have to wank all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, that's the other thing. Now, for six months, married people, on average, are having slightly more sex than single people. Are they? And that is the that's the. I would say so because the single people are having no sex, and somewhere married couples are have one married. It just takes one married couple to have sex once in the next two months and will have had more sex than the single people yes i reckon i can do that in the next two months <laughs> that's my that's my boast how about arguments have you had what kind of things have you argued about have you argued with your partner it hasn't been as bad i think i'm we're arguing less we always argue like you know we always get the, the frustration of just the tiredness gets to us and we have had one or two but actually, everything's become a lot calmer as a result of this. It's kind of weird. It's, Have you argued it, about sort of... things in the news? Uh, not too badly. Have you been arguing about that? What have you argued about? In the yeah, news no, stuff? I mean, low-level stuff. It's all been fairly yeah. harmonious, actually. It's all like, yeah, as, I'm, as I'm you say, well. it's like, God, it feels like, wow, we, we went nice. We made a good decision here. And uh, I like my children most of the time. Yeah. And yeah, most uh, my wife is great, and I just think she's terrific. The only time that she has made me a little bit sad is she's just discovered uh, WhatsApp and sort of social networking and messaging apps. And now all her buddies are in constant contact, sending her memes. And so... Right. She's just, and may, as far as I can tell, most of them come from the Daily Mail online. So she's just got this nonstop Daily Mail online meme feed, which is uh, making me a bit sad. Um, okay. Some of them are quite good. Have you seen the Irish girl saying, I'm six. Why can't I go to the pub? I, <laughs> why won't you let me go to the pub? I'm six. Uh, I haven't. I haven't seen many memes. That that's a good one. I mean, that's not a yeah. coronavirus one. I don't know where that one came okay. from. But she's very charming, a uh, humorous young woman who is six and very indignant that she is not allowed to go to the pub. <laughs> and uh, what are the other ones? There's a there's a coronavirus one of a guy, a sort of sexy guy dancing around with his top off, and then it, yeah. uh, it's after the lockdown, and it's a fat guy dancing around with his top off. Yeah. My mother-in-law has started. That's the only thing that's happened. And what, what's that? My mother-in-law started forwarding humorous things, and I miss her so much, mainly for the childcare that I have to pretend I enjoy all of them and everything she sends. But I think she has sent me that one yet. So I have seen a few memes. We didn't. We didn't argue about that, but I was a bit shitty about it. 
I just said, uh, like that, that was in the first week of lockdown. And I said something yeah. like, um, oh, Jesus, I hope you don't show me these memes every day of the lockdown. <laughs> but I said it in quite a shitty way. And uh, yeah. so that was, uh, there was some tension there. And then we had from nowhere this ridiculous conversation at supper about why are Sweden doing things so differently? Okay. And she said, like, isn't it weird that Sweden are just taking a totally different approach to the whole thing? And I just, I, and maybe I was in a bad mood or something, but I just said, no, it's a totally different <laughs> country. They do everything. They do loads of things different there. The society is structured in a totally different way. It's not comparable. They can do things their own way if they like. Anyway, it sort of degenerated from there. I think it'd be better if every country did handle it in a different way and then we could find out the best way to handle it. That's the thing. So I think every country should say, I'm choosing total lockdown. I'm choosing everyone still goes out. And, and then we would see which was the best way that it's heard. I, you know, the herd immunity would work. No, that's no good. See whether... There's too many variables. That's the thing. It's like... you could. All the islands could do it. So if all the islands said, right, we're going to do, we could say we're going to do herd immunity and see what happens. The only way uh, to do that experiment is to do it with centre parks. See how all the different centre parks do it. Have a community yeah. lockdown within each centre parks in the UK and then see how it spreads within the uh, lodges. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how, how people of the future who are listening to this in the in the near future uh, do with that. Well, let's move. Let's move on. Let's talk about something else. Okay. Um, let me get my. I've got to wear back, reading can glasses. We come back to it though. I love coronavirus. Of course we will. We will. Of course we will. I love uh, talking about my, it. As my first <laughs> guest, you. Are. I well, This is what I wanted. This is my the worst thing that's happened to me this year out of everything. Uh-huh. A well, the worst thing is I was going to have a really good year especially end of March, everything was really kicking off. Uh, I had a really good uh, TV thing that was happening and I had uh, loads of gigs and big gigs and I was going to earn quite a lot of money and then everything shut down. So that was bad. I started the year going, everything's going to be fine. I'm having a great year. So that's bad. But the other thing, the worst thing that's happened to me this year is I realized that I, my mind's eye is blind. I have a blind mind's eye. Do you know about this? There was a thing on Facebook a few weeks ago where it asked you to visualize an apple in your mind. If you close your eyes and visualize an apple, Got do one. you see like a very three-dimensional lovely colored apple? Do you see a two-dimensional colored apple? Do you see a two-dimensional black and white apple? Do you see a very blurry sort of apple or do you see nothing? Mate, it's HD jazz apple. It's turning yeah. in 360 degrees. I've taken a bite out of it. I can see the bite now. It's delicious. This ha- It hasn't been dropped. There's no bruising. There's no soft part. Yeah, so all functioning correctly in the mind's eye. I see I see nothing. Really? If I think if I think of an apple, I just think of the word apple. What and about I can't I can't see an apple. What about if you think of genitals? Is that better? No, I tell you what, if I think I was trying to do it because like, obviously, like if I'm thinking of someone's face, right? Yeah. If I'm trying to remember something of someone's face, but it's very upsetting. I did, I had no idea that I had this uh, mental disability. It is really, if I think of someone's face, what happens is I kind of get a flash of it, but it's like if you got a flash on your retinas, you would sort of have the vague image. It's like the image is sort of behind my head. I can sort of think, let's think of Adam Buxton, and I go, oh, I can't see him, but oh, I can sort of work it out from there. I don't, I don't see you unless I'm looking. See you now. I'm looking at you, but I have no mind's eye. 
Is that and, so? What is that? Is that memory? Are you not? You don't have good visual recall. I mean, it's not even memory. It's just I can't. If I close my eyes, I don't see anything. Everything in my head is is in an, an internal monologue. If I think of an apple, I'm just I'm trying to you know I'm just thinking of what an apple is like, but I can't see it. Maybe you're overstimulated visually. And uh, <laughs> if you were on a desert island or in a blank room, like in a dark room or something, have you? Do you meditate? No, because there's no point. Because I can't see anything in my mind. I, I now, but I didn't. If they hadn't told me, I wouldn't have known about this. And now I know about it. I'm just bereft right. that I can't. Because I sort of think, like, well, when you imagine, say, uh, that say you were imagining a past uh, sexual encounter, Adam, with uh, someone who wasn't your current partner. I believe it's known as the Wank Bank. <laughs> I can't. Uh, no, I don't. I don't see any. I don't actually see anything. That's right. You if don't I'm have dreaming. An, I see stuff. So you don't have an account of the Wank Bank. I don't. Well, I thought I did, and I thought maybe it's just in the you know that I've used pornography so much that I can't think of anything now maybe it's sort of it's sort of wiped it's like an etcher sketch and it's broken and however much i shake it i can't get anything back again yeah exactly but but uh it's really bad well it's weird to find out at 52 that you've got a disability that you didn't know about (laughs) i'm hoping i can have a parking space i've been trying to get the parking spaces for a long time but i don't know if you'll get one for that i'm doing so you've got the prop because it's a graded thing and loads i've i've met several people who like me can't do it i hope the people at home are are doing this as well now and trying to work out whether they can see things in their so heads. What do I'm you getting... think about when you go to sleep? Like just before you fall asleep, aren't aren't you forming images in your mind then? Well, they're not images. They're just, I, I'm thinking all the time. I mean, some people have no internal monologue. That terrifies me. Some people don't think in words at all. What do they so do? Like just noises. I guess just they they only see things. I guess, but they'd have no they'd have no voice in the head narrating. Mm. I've got a voice that narrates. Yeah, that's sort of what my internal monologue is like a lot of the time. I mean that, yeah, fair yeah. enough. But I, I've got a very so, words. So I guess my brain is just telling me. I think when the minute I fall asleep, I see stuff, uh, and the minute when I'm half asleep, I see stuff. I just see stuff in my dreams, but I just can't bring anything to mind. I bet you but can't visualize. I bet you can't visualize how you would respond if BT sent you a new look bill. Well, luckily, I've got a leaflet that shows you. <laughs> yeah. Your My bill, bill has a new look. Your bill has a new look. And here's what it looks like when two people see <laughs> their bill. You're... So this lady's saying, how do you feel now that your BT bill has a new look? <laughs> She's saying, how oh, it's just such a surprise and great. And it's made me happy. And I just feel so hopeful now that the bill has a new look. It's great, isn't it? BT. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's what that leaflet's doing. Good. I'm worried about everything now. I worry about everyone being that. Every time I see anyone that close, I just worry about them catching the coronavirus. So you can't. <sighs> You can't enjoy it. It's weird. It's changed the world. Maybe no one will ever touch each other again. You know, I've been thinking about that. I do think that, you know, in in China, the face masks, people wearing face masks has been part of that culture for many years. Not everybody used to wear them, but you would see people in China with face masks. And 
I wonder if it'll be more like that here now. And yeah, the idea of sort of going to a a, a sweaty party uh, and dancing around and kind of draping your arm around someone and just I think I would think twice about doing that now. Not that I ever did it very often in the olden days anyway. <laughs> but I think I would well, be quite uh, like, what about after a gig and doing selfies and things like that? Yeah, well, I thought because literally I did, um, which we might talk about later, I did uh, my final live Rahalastapur, um, and I went out and did all the signings and stuff. And it was still just at that point. I was thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's that. Do we do we have to be careful? Everyone was laughing about it. I went for a meeting two days later. Everyone was sort of still shaking hands, going, "Oh, we were meant to do that." And then suddenly, by the time the next, you know, within that week, by Monday, we were cancelling all the rest of the gigs and that thing. So yeah, I did sort of think about that when I was thinking I was going to do the Monday gig. I thought, "Am I going to go out and sell merch and sign merch, or will that be weird?" Or so yeah, all those things completely change. Because you know, I'm I'm happy for people. They, these nerds who watch this stuff, they all come up and hug you, don't they? Do they do that to you? Yeah, I like hug you. I I, 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 I like, enjoy it. I like hugging people, and I like uh, kissing people. If I get yeah. the opportunity, I'll kiss. Yeah, I'll kiss them. Okay. And uh, so I, th- yeah, I don't it do is that. Sad. Have you? No. Okay. Yeah, that is a shame. I spoke to my mum. <laughs> uh, yeah. It is. She's out in Reading and she's on her own. So I am a bit worried about her. I think she's finally, you know, getting the measure of the situation. She was in denial for quite a long time. She lives in a small village and she was saying, oh, um, I wish this. uh, I'm looking forward to this crisis. Well, it's not really a crisis, is it? Um, Ending. And I said, yeah, is mum, it is a crisis. It's an actual crisis. And she said, well, yes, okay. I mean, I don't like it. It's not very, uh, it's just, a. it's all a bit depressing. And I go for my walk uh, down by the river and I'm allowed to go for a walk. So I go for the my walk. And in in before, people used to look at you and say hello. And, and now people don't even look at you. Oh. I, I know, I felt bad for her. Uh, everyone's been much more friendly i think I, I live in quite a friendly village anyway but everyone's been really supportive and nice here that's what you go on a walk and everyone's like oh hi how you doing yeah my dog's good. been attacked my dog's not coping well with that my dog's having the worst time of the of everyone uh she get, usually gets walked at lunchtime with a load of other dogs by a dog walking in the village and i think she's really missing that but she's just started if, if she's off the lead she'll just stop just going too violently for other dogs so we've got to keep on she's never done that before so it's really that's really weird but apart from that everyone's been very nice apart from our dog attacking their dogs yeah uh everyone's been very nice i haven't i literally haven't seen anyone apart from my family for three weeks apart from the post delivery person right I was are you saying, not, what are you going out? Are you walking? Have you got a big enough garden to walk your dog around the garden, or do you take the dog, take Rosie out? We're out in the middle of a load of fields, so yeah. we're very lucky, and we can just walk along the fields, and we don't see anyone. Like we we never see anyone anyway. And I, it's where I go and record my intros and outros for the podcast. And the reason, if you listen to the podcast, that I'm able to shout as loudly as I do at the end of each podcast and say "I love you, bye," is that there's no one around there's never i never see anyone so um 
we're lucky we can kind of come and go as we please and, and not so worry. are you going out more than once are you doing more than once a day walking around or are you i mean it just it works out that it's generally once um and then the rest of the time you know do a few press-ups uh and then go out with rosie i've tried to my mission is to be able to pogo round the house my <laughs> wife bought some pogo sticks have you ever done pogoing uh, my brother did it when I was a kid and I was in deep, but he was a bit older than me and I was in a lot of admiration, but I was too young to be able to do it. And then I never learned to do it. So it's a I living nightmare. It. It's the yeah. worst. <laughs> my dad, when when uh, my dad was alive and he used to review music videos for the Adam and Joe show. And one of the videos he reviewed was Supergrass late in the day. And I don't know if you remember that video. It's them all on pogo sticks going around London. Yeah. And my dad just got a bee in his bonnet about that video. And he said, why are they on pogo sticks? It's absurd. It's ab- utterly absurd. I was like, dad, it's a, <laughs> it's a music video. It's just sort of fun. It's that like the director just thought, well, it kind of fits in with a bouncy feel of the track. <clears throat> it's the worst form of transport ever invented. He said that was his main objection was that it wasn't a good form of transport. So why would you have it in a video? But he's right. It is absolutely shit as a form of transport. And also it's not fun because it's so it requires so much energy and coordination that it's absolutely exhausting within about three bounces, especially if you're 50 years old and not especially fit. You're ready to have a coronary. So. My mission is to be able to get around the whole house without toppling off the pogo stick. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to have something to aim for. I just don't feel, I mean, I, you know, I'd like to think I would achieve something while I'm in lockdown, but I'm really, not, I'm finding it very difficult to do anything other. Are you, are your, your kids are a bit older, but are you homeschooling your kids or are they just getting on with it themselves? Uh, no. The thing is, <laughs> my. Two boys are one of them was going to do his GCSEs and the other one was going to do his A levels. Right. And so, you know, that whole situation is still up in the air. They don't really know what they're going to do. I have a vague feeling that they're going to reopen the schools before September. I can't believe that they're going to remain closed until then. I think for all sorts of reasons to, to, to give people a break, to get the economy going a little bit more. And I don't know. I, I feel as if maybe they'll go back. But then if they do, it'll be weird. Like, it's hard to know what the teachers would actually teach them now that they've had all this time off and the exams are completely up the spout. Because at the moment, the idea is that they're going to be assessed and um, assessed on their coursework plus the mark they got in the mocks. Right. But uh, my some one of my children didn't do well in his mocks. Actually, they, and he said uh he was saying to us like when he did incredibly badly we were saying uh why did you do quite so badly is there something emotionally up that we should know about and he's like no 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 i'm fine i'm fine um uh, the reason i did badly was that uh i just didn't revise so we're like oh yeah you've got to revise that's the thing about exams pro tip you have to yeah. revise and then you do much better when you revise. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that for the real ones. So that's not going to happen now. And no, now no. They're, going to, they're, they're going to get this weird assessment. And then you're going to like the older ones got a weird assessment for his A-levels. And then he has to apply to university off the back of that. Anyway, so that's all a bit weird and stressful. 
Yeah. And um, and now that it's officially Easter holidays, we're ignoring it. Yeah, um, well, we're ignoring it now. It's Easter holidays, but it is you know it's quite. I mean, it's only my daughter, obviously, but then I'm trying. You're trying to teach a, someone to read, uh, and it's not very full on. She's five, but then there's a two year old running around trying to get involved in everything as well. So it's it's incredibly stressful and very difficult. We were trying to do half a day on and half a day off so we could work. Like if we were doing them, we'd flip it around. I'd do morning, my wife would do up the afternoon, but we just got no work done. So now we're doing a day on, a day off. But then the day on, would looking after the kids, even without the schooling, is just so hard. So I'm so tired today. So it's just really I've, the idea of doing anything like reading a book, anything. I can't, I can't leave. You can't even leave the kids for more than a minute, you know. So you've got to be in the room with the little one. Uh, the other day, yesterday. I kind of basically tuned out. They were watching The Little Mermaid, and I knew he was doing something, but I thought, oh, it's fine. And I was watching The Little Mermaid, and he was behind the sofa, and he'd pulled a table over, climbed up the bookcase, and pulled down uh, my daughter's little... She was growing growing pea shoots in a little fairy garden. He pulled down and thrown it, and I hadn't seen any of this, thrown it clump by clump all over the (laughs) floor, and then thrown the whole thing upside down to the floor. And then I got went and said, what are you doing? He said, don't worry, Daddy, it's only soil. And he was so he was so like innocent about it. There was just, and I was thinking, my wife is absolutely going to murder me. She's been working on this thing with my daughter, and it's entirely my fault. So, and because I had I'd taken my eye off the ball, I was in the same room as him, but I'd taken my eye off the ball. For and then, time. did you did you say to your wife, "It's okay, it's only soil." <laughs> it's soil. It's I managed soil. to go. I just knew I had to go right and go. This is entirely my fault. He was very upset when he was, you know, when he's. I, I knew everything that I should have done, but I just, I'd, I'd slacked back for ten minutes, and uh, it was, it was a bad thing. Uh, so you know, but then it could be worse, couldn't it? You slack back for ten minutes, and then you go, oh, what's where? Oh, he's yeah, he's put his fingers in the plugs. <laughs> oh, well, oh well, we've got another one. <laughs> no, so I'm it's very, been very, it's been very difficult. I'm very, very grateful that ours are all old enough to sort of look after themselves during the day. And uh, that's left me time to do all my projects. I've written uh, two, two and a half screenplays. Um, I've written a very good play, which about a middle-aged man on lockdown, and he finds a portal to another dimension behind the booze. That cabinet. sounds good. And that sounds good. Um, that's already been nominated for several major awards and i'm learning chinese and i am becoming very fit and i'm volunteering for the nhs i've got the app the good sam app <laughs> yeah and i'm going out and helping people and That's very good um yeah and i've and i've been recording my audio book here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So. Of course you have. Yeah, so your book. Well, let's talk about your book, The Ramble Book. So what is The Ramble Book? Is it an autobiography? Is it just... No, it's. A, I think it's called a memoir. So I think the difference between an autobiography and a memoir, as far as I am aware, is autobiography is your whole life, all the exciting things you've done. But as I haven't done that many exciting things, um, and, you know, it's not like, oh, I can't wait till he gets to that bit about the persuasionists or whatever... <laughs> I can't um, wait to get back. That's the <laughs> bit I'm looking forward to the most. Well, it, no, this is about, it's mainly about <laughs> growing, growing up in the 80s. It's a, it's sort of a forensic um, series of reminiscences about my adolescence and making friends with Joe and the music I was listening to and the movies we were watching and formative cultural influences. And then juxtaposed with that, the other main motif is my relationship with my dad, who, uh, for those who don't know, was in our TV show, the TV show I did with Joe Cornish on Channel 4 in the 90s. And then um, he died a few years ago. And so when he died, I realized that um, it was quite a weird relationship that I had with him in some ways. I mean, not weird, just quite formal. I think like a lot of people of a certain generation and perhaps a certain class, there's a kind of weird formality. I was always envious of people who got on so well with their parents, you know, and wanted to call them every day and chat and laugh with them and tell, you know, share secrets. And I never, ever had that relationship with my parents. All I wanted them to do was go away. I wanted them to give me what I wanted and enable me to do everything I wanted. But there was no sort of uh, close bond. And my theory is that that's probably because they sent me to boarding school. And um, I think one of the prices you pay for being sent to boarding school is not really ever having that same close relationship with your parents again. I'm sure that's not true for everyone. I'm sure some people are fine with it. But I think that's what happened to me. Anyway, so the book is like a hopefully funny series of um, ramblings about my dad, my relationship with him, what it was like when he came to live with us when he was uh, ill and looking after him and um, and then stuff about my own family and stuff about Joe and friends and all that kind of stuff. Cool. It sounds good. So you've been doing the audio book that last week you were recording the audio book. So you're doing that in your, it, where you're, are you doing that there? Were you doing that at home? Yeah, I've been doing that right here in my nutty room. And I listen to a lot of audio books. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like well. I like the fact that I've been asking this as an emergency question, so I'll ask you this. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and it's a real privilege to get to hear the author reading their own work when it's the when it's the actual author doing it. In if you could have any book from history or from all time before they started doing audiobooks, probably 
read by the author, who would you like to hear read a book? Uh, are we imagining that they are going to be any good at reading it? Yeah, well, um, I mean, maybe or maybe not. You know, I mean, Charles Dickens probably would be pretty good because he used to do those stage shows of his own books, didn't he? So he'd be, a, he, I'd be, I'd, I'd be very interested to hear Charles Dickens because I would like to know if he's good or if he was a bit hammy and because you never know he was good. Charles Dickens might have had a very clicky mouth, <laughs> uh, or he might, you know, there's there's all manner of quite distracting and irritating vocal tics. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that you get with audio books. <laughs> I was, um, <laughs> I, w- I downloaded one the other day, and I won't say who it is. I'm just trying to scan forward in this anecdote to check for potential problems <laughs> that I'm going to. Um, but there, <laughs> it's like a quite a serious, sad memoir about someone who loved their mum and then she got ill and died and 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 it's all about the process of grieving for this guy's mum and it is it was written by someone roughly our age um same sort of social background or whatever and the guy they got to read the audiobook is just uh nothing like the the fellow that wrote it whatsoever it sounds as if they got a sort of aging thesp to read the audiobook and he he reads it <laughs> so it's all just stuff like he reads it in this voice like this <laughs> and um so he's talking about his mother and saying she used to bake the most marvelous cakes and i would come into the kitchen and say mum i love your cakes that you know and it's just going full on with the with the sb <clears throat> read and it just completely destroys it uh, and I could, I had to stop reading it after a while. Yeah. I, for for a bit, it was fun. It was quite good. I was seeing my mates more and more often in those days, and be feeling very excited about the prospect of getting it together with my new girlfriend. I don't know. I'm not doing justice to the actual text, but it was. No. It's all that that sort of pitch of uh well it's when it's wrong it's interesting when the wrong person's doing something it's really interesting or just for you sometimes isn't it that some of them i just find impossible especially with a novel sometimes you'll really get into it and sometimes it's like impossible to get into it i was listening to john malkovich do breakfast of champions which is great um he's just like the way he's just he's very john malkovich in it and it sort of fits it very well i well, had michael palin which we'll let we'll talk about some of the guests you've had on. we had michael palin finally on Relis, but that's the only good thing that's happened this year if that had been cancelled as well i think that would have been just so upsetting because that was the most exciting thing for me this year um but his he he was doing erebus and it's it adds so much more having him do it he's it's so good but i asked him uh who he'd have and he went he did a funny bit about roman authors which people at home will hear soon um or will already have heard if they listen to the podcast um i quite like i'd quite like i'd like um uh you know james joyce doing ulysses something with weird language yeah and, well um, i'm making him do that as well you know making him have to sit through and read it all that would be quite good to yeah and do that like I listened to the audio sort of, of um of uh clockwork orange the other day anthony right. Burgess and of course that's all written in nad sat this weird made up semi russian language that the dudes right. all uh do and who was the guy that uh read it 
oh, he's an actor and he's British and he's anyway. Hugh Grant. No, not Hugh Grant. Um, okay. Younger. I think maybe is it even the guy who's who does the? Oh, I'm embarrassed that I've forgotten his name because I should know it. James McAvoy. No, it's but it's he, not not a million miles away. Is maybe the guy who does the sitcom about the uh refugee who comes to the uk Have oh um yes <laughs> I, I hate me and this is the worst thing about me being late and had two beers i know exactly who you mean he played uh, terry jones in uh in the monty python thing i'm a i'm you know i don't know him but i follow him on twitter and he's a lovely guy and yeah, you'll have I'm, got his name by the rufus jones rufus jones um i'm not sure it's rufus jones reading <laughs> this was a bad tangent i apologize but anyway that was very good whoever reads that uh it's a fairly recent one and it is brilliant that clockwork orange one uh what is your favorite audio book ever that you just wished it wouldn't end um i tell you i really loved limmy's um autobiography his short story ones are pretty good the first one's better than the second one of the short stories but it's very good hearing him read that. But his autobiography is so good. I think I think it's sort of he stopped doing everything now just to do Twitch like a fucking idiot would. Like to talking to people in his bedroom playing video games. What kind of prick would do that? Um but uh but his it's sort of so it's a voice you don't usually hear in books and he's so talented as a, a writer, I think. And it but it's it feels like, you know, catching the rye or something like you know, it just feels some of it, and then some of it's all about programming computers and stuff, which is a bit more boring. But it's his story of, or a bit less novelistic, I should say, rather. But his story of of going through nearly kind of killing himself and getting being a massive drinker and stuff like that. And it's just the chapter about having his ejaculating for the first time after having after having had a lot of trouble ejaculating is hilarious. I was laughing and crying. It's like poetry. So I could have I could have listened to Limmy talk about his life a lot lot longer, which is a sort of weird choice. But um, I heard but you yeah, talking great. about it on Rahalestapa, and yeah. I I bought it off the back of that. But then I was still writing my book at the time, and so I yeah. started listening to it, and and I thought, oh, I can't listen to this because it's too good, and it's going to just depress me. So I stopped listening to it, but now I'm going to um, I'm going to go back to now it now that, that mine is finished. Although it still might be a bit depressing. Anyway, it's a different thing. He's had a colourful life. He's had a totally different background. He... It's a very different life to you going to Westminster School. Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. It's a different. Is it? You had a different upbringing, but even so, but you know that's. But I think it, that I'd be interested in if you're covering that in your book. I think that's very interesting. A, I think Westminster's quite an interesting educational establishment but i think to hear a, a Sorry, reasonable person over. <laughs> that doesn't happen the live shows um to hear like a normal person who you can identify with talking about that experience because going to public school is no it's not your choice what what i think is interesting about it is people judge people for going to public school and rightly in in some cases because it, it, it's i can understand why they're upset but it's never the the for you don't choose to do that as a young person. That's a choice of someone else has made for your life. And so to judge someone solely by that, I think, is weird. But also, it feels like Westminster's quite an interest. When I've been around it, it seems. And and you and Adam and Louis Theroux all came. You sorry, you and Joe and Adam. I've done the thing. 
I've done the thing that they do with double acts absolutely all the time. You and Joe and Louis through um, all came out of there, and yes. you're all fairly balanced and normal people. Yeah, is it is it a slightly different one, Westminster? Is it is it say again? Is it a slightly? Is is it slightly? You know, it's not Eton, is it? Westminster? Oh, I see. What you mean, like a slightly different type of public. Yeah. I think yeah. we all thought that it was. Uh, yeah, we thought we used to take the piss out of the kind of Etonians and we thought of them as public schoolboys. We didn't think of ourselves as public schoolboys. We thought we were normal. And, uh, you know, because we lived in London and you couldn't really get away with you're right in the center of London. So when, whenever you went out, you couldn't get away with acting like a kind of freaky toff. No. Um, but then i look back at videos of myself from around then and and we were freaky toffs kind of but we just thought we were a bit cool and we thought that people who went to eaton were well we called them you know it was like oh you go to eton oh eton yeah yeah really great and we'd sort of talk like that about those people as if we weren't like that ourselves (laughs) and we were we were kind of like that a bit but not I suppose not full on. We were embarrassed about it. We were self-conscious. I think that was the thing. Being in London, there was just, you got self-conscious more quickly. So there was a lot of people at Westminster who were embarrassed about being yeah. in a posh school, and, um, which is sort of understandable. But it's also a little bit of a shame because it was an amazing place in a lot of ways. You know, you go to prayers in Westminster Abbey every other morning. And <laughs> the, 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 the well, I love of- that part. I love that part of London. I love Westminster Abbey. And I've been around Westminster School a couple of times, you know, doing other things, doing charity things or whatever. Yeah. And it does, there does seem to be a nice feeling about it. You kind of think that would be a nice place to go to school. But see, it does seem cooler. And yeah, and yeah, being right. And I mean, you're opposite the Houses of Parliament, you're opposite Westminster Abbey. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is the 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 in every sense the the privilege of being there is off the scale. But um, no, it's weird. So I, yeah, I do write about that, and I do write about sort of feeling slightly conflicted about it, and wondering why it was that my dad thought it was so important that he sent his children to private schools because it ended up ruining him financially, you know. <laughs> and uh, his life was made kind of miserable by that for a very long time. And I just right. thought, was that, was it a really, was it a good trade off? You know, like lots of people don't go to private school and they, they do fine, you know? Yeah. Um. Anyway. So yeah. I, I but you say, of- but you know what I mean? Although Limmy's life is very different to your life. It's, it's sort of, again, you, I don't know. That's it. It's so different than most people's lives. It's very different than my life, even though I went to, I suppose I met a lot of, public school people at university as a result of getting to Oxford, but it was, um, so I kind of had a, had a taste of it, but it's, it, it is, you know, it's, it's interesting to see books written by people who have, have had a, an unusual life and a life that you don't necessarily cover elsewhere, which maybe isn't public school as much. Maybe there's a bit more public school memoirs going on than there are growing, growing up in Glasgow. But, you know, I think there's, I think there's the right person covering, it, I think is the, is the interesting thing about that. Let's talk a little bit about, because um, we haven't got, we've been talking, chatting away. It's nearly, we're nearly done. Um, let's talk a little, you're a fantastic podcast going from strength to strength and absolutely, for, I mean, I've got people like you on my podcast, but you've got like proper people on your podcast. Until proper I had my people. You've got like, I mean, Billy Connolly's got to be, and the Billy Connolly one is superb if people haven't listened to it, but 
He's he's apart from Michael Palin, who was absolutely my number one person I wanted on. Uh, Billy Connolly's right up there, um, and I think you know th- to, he was so good. Yeah, he was great on the podcast, but he was really good. I mean, I didn't really have to do very much. I just sort of sat there, and he was just. I, I was lucky that he was just in the right mood. But I was really quite nervous because I didn't know that much about him. You know, I wasn't a fan when I was growing up. I just didn't. I, I couldn't relate to him at all. I was Monty Python guy. Yeah. And uh, Billy Connolly, there was no reference points for me whatsoever. I didn't get it. And so then I got the opportunity to talk to him because he was publishing his book of all his routines and bits and pieces. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I should, because it'll probably annoy people that I don't know his stuff well enough and, and it'll be a wasted opportunity. And I don't know. And also he'll realize that I don't really know what I'm talking about and it'll piss him off and he might be a bit tricky and I, there's too, too many variables. But then in the end, I thought, ah, oh, screw it. I'll just, uh, I'll give it a go. It's too big an opportunity to pass up. It is. And, but then the night before I emailed a friend of mine who had worked with him and she said, um, she said, she get, she wrote back quite a long list of things like things to say and things not to say. I was just expecting her to say, oh, you know, like, you know, he likes, uh, you know, don't tell jokes. He doesn't really like <laughs> it when other people tell jokes. I'm just making these up. These aren't, these aren't things she said, but instead she wrote me like a long pretty specific list of things to avoid and things to say and i and then i was just thinking oh shit and i i emailed my producer seamus and said look man i i think maybe i should pull out of this uh because i don't want to fuck it up it's just uh, it feels it feels bad it feels like i'm definitely gonna fuck it up because one of the things she said knowing that i'm a man who likes wearing shorts was don't wear shorts <laughs> he hates people that wear shorts <laughs> he thinks it's pathetic for a grown man to wear shorts and you know look at me i mean i'm always i always enjoy any opportunity to rock the creepy middle-aged dj look so and it was on the hottest day of last year as well i like wearing yeah. shorts they're comfortable they're practical so that just put me in a really bad mood. I was like, what? He, 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 fuck him. He doesn't like men who wear shorts. I'm not going to spend the afternoon. I'm not going to travel all the way down to London interviewing this guy who I don't even know his stuff particularly and, uh, you know, getting nasty looks because I'm wearing shorts. Cause he, anyway. But actually, the fact was that by that time, I'd immersed myself in his stuff for a couple yeah. of weeks. And I got it. And it was like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. And it was amazing. And um, I just watched everything I could get my hands on and listened to all his albums on Spotify and the language and the cadence of it and then the peculiarities of his own life and uh, watched interviews with him and found out. And, and, and it was, um, yeah, it was really amazing. But then, then that that email did really make me even more nervous because I thought, "Fuck, I, this is a complicated guy, and I don't want to fuck this up." Anyway, it worked out. He was in a good it mood. It was great. And yeah. I, I got there. I was wearing my shorts. I was gonna. I got there <laughs> early because I I thought I'm gonna change out of my shorts, 
but he was fine. And, and I told, yeah. I said like, Oh, I heard that you don't like men in shorts. And he laughed and said, who told you that? And, uh, <laughs> it was good. Like they I do. Well, like, so I, I had Michael Payne in what for the people who listen to this on the podcast, it'll be like two weeks ago. Uh, when's it coming who, out? It's coming out like it'll be about six weeks from while we're, from when we're recording this. So is that we only did two this year. We're still working through last year. Um, and it was like a huge deal for me. I was so jealous of you getting him again. You did a beautiful job with Michael. Well, um, I bet yours was. I mean, you. I, I can't wait to listen to yours. I bet it was. Obviously, your shows are so different anyway because they're in yeah, in, yeah. A, in front of a live audience. My talk with Michael was very downbeat. It was shortly yeah. after my dad died, and um, I was feeling very emotional, and uh, so it was. It was quite a kind of. It wasn't somber, and there were some funny bits. But it, but but it certainly wasn't the kind of chat you would have in front of an audience. How was no. yours? It was good. I mean, I was so um, in awe. I mean, that's it. I mean, he's absolutely my number one person in the world. But certainly, as as a as a performer and writer, he's just everything. He was so nice. Um, I, the thing I regret, I think, like I wish I'd asked. I didn't really ask any most questions on stage. You didn't ask him wish- if he could suck his own cock. I didn't ask that, um, but I wish I'd asked him some more because back we did something. We, you know, we do like a bit backstage, as you know. Yeah. And he basically improvised. I asked him a question. If you're a if you're a monthly badger, it's worth watching this one. He improvised basically a whole new scene to Life of Brian. I brought up King Herod. Wow. And then he improvised. He improvised the whole. Said, "Oh, we never did that." And then did and basically improvised the whole scene that he might have done in Life of Brian. And I think I just because I want there was so much to cover with him, and I wanted to try and get in as much as I could that I just and it was it was great right like he was he was amazing (laughs) but I just thought I think maybe I should have been it's always that difficult thing with my podcast is working out that line of how respectable the respectability you're frozen you look like you're frozen I hope you're still there um uh the um the uh have I unfrozen you know working out how rude you have unfrozen your back um is working out the uh, how rude you can be to people and, and whether you can get that right. Uh, so, like with Richard E. Grant, who I still don't quite understand why he doesn't, he or his people didn't want that one to go out. I wonder, was I? I didn't, I didn't go on enough about his major triumphs. He seemed to be enjoying it, but I was much more here's, talking here's about my the, theory the, the weird about, things he'd done. Here's my theory about why he didn't want it to go out because I think he'd been on a massive publicity push. Um, because he was in that uh, film, um, what was it called again? Uh, uh, can you ever forgive me? Can you ever forgive me? Which is great, and yeah, it's great. And he was nominated for an Oscar, and it was all it all felt right, and he was going for it, and he was doing loads of publicity, and then he didn't win, and then he just went off the map, and um, I don't know if the timing is right for I think it might have been something about that he, he he'd done an interview the same week it was meant to go out I think or around about the time they pulled it where he'd been he'd revealed something about Julianne Moore who had meant to have been in that film to begin with right uh, and so I think they were worried he would he might be saying stuff that affected his cash that, well that's the interesting as that I mean I'm just guessing because honestly top three podcasts I would say or everyone I've done he was brilliant it was very funny I was cheeky to him but I felt it he appreciated it and he worked with it um I think that maybe if I'd just even done five minutes or went oh you've worked with Robert Altman you've done this and you've done that must have been amazing I think he would have may, maybe I don't know but anyway so I think maybe with Michael Palin I kind of wish I'd be because he's you know you sort of respect him so much 
but he's still like you know it's not like he's not a man who is not rude it's not like a man who you couldn't ask if you ever said Jared Cock no yeah. it's not like that would be a wrong thing to, he wrote every, every sperm is sacred but yeah it was, it was great it was interesting and um he talked a little bit you know he talked about Terry Jones a little bit but not too much we I kind of didn't want to push that too much and yeah. I didn't want to make him cry or make myself cry uh, although it was interesting he talked about um having marred, not quite fallen out with him, but they were such good friends. But when Ripping Yarns came out, because the BBC were trying to push it as his thing, as Michael Palin's thing, they didn't really want two Pythons involved. So Terry's role in it was kind of, you know, even though we, they obviously wrote it together, uh-huh. was kind of a little bit underplayed. And I think Terry Jones was a bit put out by it. So he did talk about that, which is, again, quite interesting, because, I mean, you know, I'm fascinated by that double act dynamic and how that works and how you if you remain friends or whether you don't remain friends or if you ever were friends but with that with those two I mean certainly that all the tributes that Michael did to Terry is just and him going to see him at his house yeah I'm going to go t- still take him to the pub every week even though he didn't know who he was yeah um no, it's when, so, when... so moving and beautiful kind of this beautiful male friendship that that's quite a rare thing I think yeah, that's right. Well, Louis, I sent Louis. I'm just going to make it about myself again, if that's all right. Okay, do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I watched Michael Palin talking about Terry Jones and uh, choking up on the news. And it was, yeah, and I, I'm sure like a lot of people just started crying myself watching that clip. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I sent my book to, to Louis through to read because he's in it as well. And um, but Louis described it as a kind of love story. Um, but, you know, it's it's the story of my affair, my love affair with Joe yeah. from charting it from the beginning. And I do sort of write about it explicitly, not explicitly in a sexual sense, <laughs> although there is some very hot sex with Joe that is described. But, um, yeah, it, it just, you know, that thing, when you look back on it, you you think like, oh, gosh, yeah. It is, it is a love affair, really, just without the sex, and um, it, everything about it is the same. You know, the 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 feeling of excitement you get when you're going to see the person, the feeling of missing them so much when they're not around, and imagining the kind of things that they would say if they were there, instead of laughing at the things that you imagine them saying. You can hear their voice so clearly, all that sort of stuff. You know, as well as admiring them and being inspired by them and anyway so i hope i've i've kind of done some justice to that and then at the end there's a few sort of um moments as well when when um i don't really touch on negative stuff too much but there's a couple of moments when i just thought what what's going on here and where where it felt like our friendship was kind of dissolving or whatever um towards the end of the 80s and I never really resolved any of those things. But then I I did a a sort of bonus podcast thing with Joe just the other day, a remote thing that's going to go at the end of the audio book. Yeah. And he, he picked out various bits and pieces from the book and he picked out one of the things I wrote about. And, and we talked about that. We sort of resolved it at okay. the end of the uh, book. So that was quite satisfying. But I think yeah, that's it, it is, you know, it is, well, it, but it's like, it is, a, it's, it's got that element of marriage to it. And like some marriages, as we were discussing earlier, are very harmonious and some are, are based on, and I think that's what, and, 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 you know, I think in Monty Python, I talked to him about, I think 
the heart of Monty Python was John Cleese and Terry Jones kind of not really getting on that well, I think. I think Terry Jones and John Cleese rubbed each other up so much that that was the grit in the oyster that created the pearl. You know, I think that they, they came at it from such a different angle and had such different talents. I mean, the thing with Monty Python, it's an amazing group of people. And Terry Jones is is sort of the heart of it. And again, it takes it realising, you know, looking back at it to kind of realise that as much. But I think without him antagonising John Cleese, I think it probably, and, and vice versa, I don't think it'd be quite what it was. And so I think, you know, with me and Stu, I think there was always, uh, you know, the competitive, it was more like that competitive thing that you can get in a marriage where you're, where you're more fighting and then that leads to fantastic sex or comedy, hopefully. Yeah. But so uh, yeah, but you know, but there's loads of things that you know, I saw there's an incident that I've never talked about and I've never talked to Stu about. And this came very, <laughs> very early on, uh, when we it was sort of weird because at university I was sort of the I'd been sort of fated as the the, the main performer and oh. I'd I'd done the Oxford Review and all that sort of stuff and he'd written it and there was a sort of weird thing with that. And then when we came when we came into the real world uh, he was doing much better as a stand-up and I wasn't and he was seen as the performer and I was seen as the writer and it all kind of flipped around. And I really wanted to act and he got this, um, he got offered this part in like a student short film. It was like nothing, it wasn't important, <laughs> but it was a short film in which, I can't remember what happened, but it ended up with him going around to a guy's house and then they, they ended up on this date together and they'd sort of dance together. I love that film. And it, uh, Okay, <laughs> I can't remember what it was called. John Maloney did it in the end. I should have talked to John Maloney about it. And I kind of thought, at the time I thought, it's kind of weird that you know that he's in a double act and this is, it would seem obvious to sort of offer me the other part. But, and I think I even said to you, oh, that's, you know, it's weird you got offered that and I didn't get offered it. He said, yeah, well, that you didn't get offered it. So, and then it was in Norwich, actually, fun enough. We were doing a gig in Norwich and they had the after show part. They had like, they'd filmed it in Norwich. And then there was a party where all the crew got together and um, one of the crew said to me, so you didn't fancy doing the, doing the film then? And, uh, and but I, and that, that, this is why this is an interesting story, because obviously he'd, but we'd both been offered it. I never got told that I'd been offered it. She said, I'll do it, but not if he's doing it, obviously. This is very early on. But I also just went, in that moment, I went, yeah, no, didn't, didn't fancy it. So like I didn't even, and I never told Stu that I, <laughs> that I knew that he'd done that. But that's such, you know, he didn't want to be an actor and I really wanted to be an actor. And that was a really weird little power play going on between the two of us. But the reason I tell the story is I think it says as much about me as it does about him because I was in such a, I was in such a kind of low status position by then that I didn't even go, what the fuck? Why did you do? You know, I just thought, I'm, I'm, and I never, ever even told him that I knew that that had happened. I never spoke to him about it. And, you know, I could have said to the guy, oh, yeah, I didn't know. You know, no one told me about it. But that's kind of interesting, isn't it? And I'm sure he could come up with some stories where I did something similar to him. I doubt it. I'm a very nice guy. But <laughs> but I was just, I would just been thinking about it. That's such, it just sums up that the weirdness at the heart of our relationship, even then, you know. So it yeah. sort of fascinates. It fascinates me when a double act are, we were friends, but I think working together, made it harder to be friends and then stopping working together made it easier to be friends. Were you friends be- before you started working together? I mean, we worked, we met and then decided to work together, but we were, we were certainly friend friendly to begin with, but I think it, it was, it was, it all kind of came down to, um, it was a weird thing. Cause I did the Oxford review and he didn't, but it was the Oxford review that got really pummeled by all the stand up 
comedians in Edinburgh. Like I had a terrible time and basically nearly stopped performing. And he wasn't part of it because he wasn't in it. And then he really got into stand-up. And then, so right at the beginning of our sort of professional relationship, he was pushing more to be a stand-up and I wanted to do sketch comedy and felt resentful of all these people who bullied me. <laughs> and he was sort of siding with all those people. So it immediately created this, you know, this divide between us that was a little bit weird. But I think, again, I think it's, I think that was what made it work as well yeah. as, a, as a double act. But yeah, I mean, I'm glad, you know, I think we, it, we, it ended at the right time and I, and I would never want to go back to it, which is, you know, I think is different than say you and you and Joe, who still sort of seem happily to get together when you do get together. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good now. I really like it. There's not a shred of, um, envy or, uh, you know, bitterness, uh, left. Um, I really, I can say that with my hand on my heart. Which <laughs> side is it? There you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there definitely was for a while. Oh, it was grim. I wrote a big thing in for the book, all about <laughs> when we when we did a toy movie of Titanic. Do you remember? Yeah, like we, yeah. we used to we used to do parodies of TV shows and films in our in our TV show with with little stuffed toys and stuff, and. After, when we did the, I think it was the second series, it was 19, uh, 1998 or something like that. And um, two series of our show had gone out and we were out in California staying with the people that produced our show that ran the production company, Fenton and Randy, they were called. And we were kind of on top of the world. And it was like, we made it. We had two shows they'd gone down really well. They'd gone, they'd gotten pretty good ratings for what it was. We got some good reviews. It was like, yes, we're the Kings of the fucking world. And so we went out to California and they, they hired the skiing lodge out in mammoth mountain. We went skiing and we were out on a hot, we were in a hot tub, me and Joe out on a, um, on a balcony overlooking the mountains. And we're just like, this is it. We're we're the Kings. I was drinking a beer and I think Joe was smoking a doobie and we were just, it was the sort of Hollywood moment of success. And I was playing around with my empty beer bottle. It was bobbing around in the hot tub. And I, I sort of said something like iceberg right ahead. And I knocked <laughs> the thing. and Joe said, uh, yeah, we should, we should do uh, Titanic as a toy movie. And I was like, uh, mm, I don't know about that. And as soon as he said it, I just thought, Oh, fucking hell he's gonna do he's gonna do titanic and it's gonna be really good and it's obviously it's gonna be brilliant because everyone's seen fucking titanic and he's gonna do a really good job and sure enough he <laughs> absolutely went to town because the thing the thing that we never admitted really was that we used to divvy up all the toy movies we always yeah. said like we did everything absolutely together because we wanted to maintain a coherent image you know of just like yeah we share we share all the responsibilities but actually for practical reasons apart from anything else we divided everything up so it was really competitive like who's done the best toy movie and stuff and yeah. it was generally joe that did the best <laughs> ones i can see now and um so he went completely to town on this fucking titanic thing and i went on holiday i just met my beautiful wife although we weren't married at that point and we went away for our first foreign holiday and when we got back, I went into the studio and Joe, and the entire studio was filled with this 
<laughs> eight foot fucking cardboard model of Titanic that Joe had made with all cardboard and straws and and it was completely amazing and uh i ju- I, I i thought this is bad and i was gonna i mean i really had to stop myself from breaking in there at night and just burning it and uh and basically i had fuck all to do with toytanic i did the voices on it like we ca- came together and do voices and things like that and then it was just everyone loved toytanic you know it came out in channel four <laughs> They did uh, film four. They launched the film four channel, and and on the launch night, they showed a sort of ten minute cut of Titanic, and everyone was going, "Oh, it's so amazing! It's so brilliant!" And every time someone said it, I would just go, "Yeah, go fucking, <laughs> yeah, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and then, um, but we were saying, you know, to everyone, "Oh, we, we do everything together. We do everything together." And then Time Out rang up just before the Film 4 launch night. And they said, oh, we just wanted to just chat with you quickly about the Titanic thing. And so I was thinking, ah, well, you're phoning the wrong guy. But I can't say that because we're supposed to do everything. I can't say, oh, you need to talk to Joe. He did that one. So I had to just sort of style it out and say, oh, yeah, what do you want to know? And I was very I thought I was very careful to say we about everything. We did this and we did that. And, you know, and trying to do justice to what Joe had done on it and all that. Anyway, obviously, an I must have slipped through. Um, and the next like when when Time Out came came out that week, I got a phone call and it was Joe and he was apoplectic. And he just said, what the fuck have you said now? And I was like, what? What are you on about? And um, he said, uh, you're talking, you basically made out that you did Titanic in the uh, thing. <laughs> I mean, it's so ma- just incredibly ludicrous and pathetic. But the but the tensions and the lack of perspective at the time is just so overwhelming. Anyway, I wrote a big story about it. But then... It was one of the pieces that I eventually just chopped out of the book. Um, and uh, it's less about all that stuff and it's more about the kind of fun times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which there there were as well. But for oh, me, man, there, there was loads, yeah. But, but yeah, but it's, but it's you know, it's it's fascinating, I think. And it is, but it's the, and it's the way any friendship goes and the way if you meet someone, especially when you're, you were very young when you met uh, Joe, obviously, but. And I think also, which I read today in an interview with Joe, is that you basically got him into the first TV thing that you you you've been offered a TV thing and set and got Joe into it. So there's that there's always that weird dynamic where someone yeah. has to be great has to be grateful for the opportunity, which he obviously still is. But then you know then you know, yes, you can't you start that can't out, last forever, <laughs> right? You start you start out as the senior partner, yeah, and yeah. At, at various points you want to just say. Can I just uh, can, I, can I just remember how this started? Like how all this started? Is that with me, with me, because I'm special. I'm the special guy, not you, not you so much. In that voice, and then uh, and then you know the, the the dynamic is constantly shifting, and oh, it's so exhausting. I wish I could go back. That was the overwhelming thing. Writing the book was at certain points just wishing more than anything I could go back and 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 just say, mate calm down and uh don't do that 
<laughs> but then I just think the the you know the way we took things so seriously and we everything was so important. We'd argue over whether at or the was in a sentence for a day. You know, it was nuts. But that level that you need that level certainly at that stage, I think you need that level of passion and self belief. You know, we were. But I mean, I was so this weird mixture of insecurity and utter confidence. You know, I mean, it's it's such a weird job being a comedian. To, to believe that you deserved any of those things that either of us had in the 90s, yeah. you know, uh, as well as going home and thinking, oh, no, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm terrible at everything I do. So, you know, it's it's a bizarre thing and it's very difficult to navigate those waters and especially with someone you know very well and 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 things, you know, and your and your motivations and, and what you want to have, it changes. It's, it's sort to me, it's just amazing those double acts, the double acts that keep working forever and that, that, haven't fought you know there's ones that work together and don't like each other but still a force to work with each other which is interesting because they're so successful they can't stop and there's work and there's those like terry and michael and dawn and jennifer i guess and who are just like absolutely best friends yeah vic know. and bob and people like that yeah yeah, yeah. it's just no, I, I, I don't you know I find, I find it very interesting and it's and yeah but it's only because i think it's it's like being brothers. It's like being uh, lovers. It's like being best friends. You know, for anyone, it's it still matches up. I think in it's 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 an understandable relationship to anyone because everyone has got that relationship with someone in their life. It's someone they work with, someone who's in their family, someone they have, have had a relationship with, or were in a relationship, with or are still in a relationship. With. Yeah, yeah. But you know, and I think in the in the nineties and the, the early two thousands. The the women I chose or who chose me, I don't know, you know, were always inappropriate, not always, but nearly always wrong and bullying and, you know, and took advantage of being, being nice. Uh, and I wasn't always nice either, but, you know, it was, I, I would always have a certain type. So you were, you're making certain choices in your life about who you're interacting with. And I think with women, I kind of went, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to ever go in a relationship with someone like that ever again. <laughs> and I think that's, I think that's what you realize, you know, you realize that as, uh, as we go on. Anyway, look, we've, we've taken a lot of your time. That is my wife texting me. Is that your wife? My wife hasn't texted me yet to tell me it's over. She I mean, this saying, podcast. Have you finished? <laughs> just we've gone on longer than we said we would. Finishing. There we go. <laughs> so anyway look i really hope i can get you and uh, and uh, adam no joe yes uh, the other one no on we, the... we were really looking forward to it oh, so yeah really looking forward to it. let's make Such it happen soon. yeah so um, we'll do it again at some other time and i'll see how he feels about all of this uh and yeah, uh, he'll be talking to me after this after i told no. the titanic story yeah maybe uh ramble book out in september the book is uh, the physical book is out in September. I'm, the the idea is for the audio book to come out in a few weeks. I suggested oh, really? it to my publishers and said, like, well, why don't we just put the audio book out now? I mean, um, and so that's what we're going to do. I think. Great, good, and uh, the podcast is back and continuing. What fantastic guests that I'll be jealous of have you got coming up, or are you not allowed to say? Uh, well, it's all scrambled now because of the thing. But you can do them remote. You're going to do them remote. You, I mean, it works for you remotely, and this has worked very well, I think, remotely. You and I. Yeah, it's so different, though. It's so different yeah. to being. I really need to be in a room. The only one I ever did remotely before this whole crisis was Bill Hader, and I like. And it was good, but I I felt as if it would have been a lot better if I'd been in a room with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
so it's difficult but and so that's why i'm leaning on old friends and people i already have a relationship with so repeat guests so joe will probably do one uh, if he's still talking to me after this and uh louis through i hope and tash dimitriou and past podcast guests cool. who i already know i'm gonna do I think. <laughs> terrific well thank you so much for being my first remote guest hey thanks man it's good to thanks see to you yeah, I really love to see you. Take care, and uh, let's hope we both get through this alive. One of just statistically, one of us is going to die. <laughs> I mean, I've got young kids. I hope it's you, just because I've got young kids. That's the yeah. Idea. Look, my book's finished. Uh, yeah, I've had a great run. Um, thanks very much. Bye. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Buxton. Hooray! Thanks, Adam. We're, go- we're going to go. Thanks to everyone who's listened and watched and subscribed. Subscribe and do whatever you like. Now, fuck off. Goodbye. Thank you, Adam. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Rahala Stuffer with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Adam Buxton. Thank you to Pest for playing this music, even in lockdown, though Pest's a part of the problem. Am I right? They must be regretting that name now. Uh, I am indebted and would like to thank... Um, Adam especially, uh, and for being the first guest. Everyone at Zencaster and Zoom for helping us do this. Everyone at Twitch for giving us the chance to do this. And especially, of course, to Chris Evans, not that one who is doing not only all the the behind-the-scenes work of setting this up, but essentially being now the super producer of the show. So I am very indebted to him. Our executive producer of this show was the wonderful Martin Deet. We called him uh, Martin Details on the on the set, me and Adam. He's all into the deets, that's what we would say about him. He's a clever pun. Uh, also, we called him House Martin as well sometimes. That was another This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStrike.com production. Why not head to GoFasterStrike.com slash badges and become a monthly badger. Help us raise some funds to keep making podcasts and get a cavalcade of lovely extras for yourself, including a lovely shiny badge or two and a membership card and of backstage interviews alright my fine friends I will see you on the other side of this terrible atrocity bye
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.